As we started this series, there were a couple of things that we've, we've talked about as elders, we've talked about as, as the, the teaching team or whatever up here. I've been in church all my life, and sometimes the Sunday morning time is almost more of a routine, more of a, and I, I don't think people are thinking this way, but it's more of a show. I don't, I don't really mean that to be a derogatory thing towards other pastors, but it's, I can remember the church I grew up in, and uh, the pastor's preaching, and over here to the left, an older woman fell out of the pew having a medical emergency. And, and somebody leaves, because this was prior to cell phone days, somebody leaves to go call to get an ambulance there. The paramedics come in, they work with this woman, they get her on the gurney, they take her out, and the preacher never misses a beat. He just keeps preaching. And I'm going, something's just not right about that. I don't know what it is, but it's like we got to get this message in. we got to make it work. And, uh, and so this same pastor, and I love, uh, I love him to death. I don't, I, well, I say, I don't know if he's still alive, but, um, you know, when I first went to the church, I was 17 years old and I, I left the church to go to college, uh, after I turned 19. So I was there not too long. I was there about a year and a half, almost two years. And in that time frame, we were in the book of Romans for that whole time frame. And I can remember, because it's real popular in a lot of circles to say, well, we're going to do verse-by-verse teaching. And I don't have a problem with verse-by-verse teaching, but sometimes we can get so caught up into it that we're, we're focused on one tree and all the leaves on that tree, and nobody knows what's going on in the forest. And so, so I want us to understand the book of Romans. I want us to come together, and, and we, want, we need to grasp what Paul is saying here. This is basically Paul's theological statement. You know, if you are looking at a church or you're looking at a ministry, you look on their website, and this is what we believe theologically. Well, this is Paul saying, this is, this is it. This is what I believe. And so we've started talking about it. We talked about just okay is not okay. Now, at First Baptist Church College Park, Georgia, we got bogged down, I think, in Romans. I don't think they ever finished it. I, I went off to college, you know, I think because in the two and a half years we covered maybe a half of a, book, of a, of a chapter, you know. It, and, and I could tell you a lot of the stuff that was in there, but, but I didn't get the big picture of Romans. Now, to be honest, probably right now you're feeling a little more like this. You've been drinking water from a fire hose the last three weeks. We're going to cover a lot of ground. Here it is. Everything Paul's trying to say. But as we, we talked about this series, we want to cover big swaths in some ways because we want you to get the big picture, but we also want to slow down. And that's what today is. Because Paul, in his books, the way he writes, he writes the first, usually the first half of a book is deep theological statements. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Then he goes into, this is how you live it out on a daily basis. Well, the book of Romans is a little different. The book of Romans, the first five chapters is that theology, and then beginning in chapter 6, he begins to say, this is how it should affect your life. There's still deep theology, but it's the idea of, it's not just understanding and being able to say what the Bible says. 
You know, because Paul's issue, theology is not just so you can pass a test and not so you can win at Bible trivia. Theology, the point of understanding theology, theology is the study of God. And the point of studying God is to get to know Him so that how He impacts our lives. And so it's, it's not okay to, to just be okay. You know, we, we talk about that and we laugh about it because of the commercials, you know, and, and uh, Gil was talking about he wants to see a commercial with the, the parachute, like we got the guy up here in the parachute, you know, where, you know, is he good at packing parachutes? Oh, he's okay, you know. You don't want the he's okay. But when we think about it, and I'm not pointing any fingers, I'm not trying to say, you know, there's people who say this who are in this group, and I'm, I can point you out. We talked about that this morning. You know, going to be a real challenge this morning. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to call names. Well, I'm not, I'm not calling any names this morning, but, uh, you know, I want us to think about, you know, I, I've heard it all my life. Well, you know, I, I love Jesus, but, you know, that, you're just being a little too over the top when you ask me to commit to, to too much. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay with Jesus. I'm okay with just knowing a little bit about him. I'm okay with, I was baptized when I was eight, and, and, and that's okay. I, I'm okay. I, I committed, I, I joined the church. I've been in Sunday school. I've been in Awanas. I've been to Citigroup. I'm okay. Well, just okay is not okay. This last week, well, yesterday, actually, yesterday morning at 7 o'clock, I was on a Skype call, Zoom call, with someone in a country that I can't tell you what country he's in. Um, it's illegal to tell people about the gospel there, and he is a church planter who's wanting to become part of our ministry. Former Muslim who's planting churches in this country. And this is his story. I said, you know, he said, we started telling me his strategy. I said, look, man, I, I'm clueless on strategy stuff. You need to talk to Ken about strategy. I want to just know who you are. I want to know your story. So he said, well, you know, I always wanted to be an imam, which is the top teachers in Islam. And so I began to study to be an imam. He said, I was in the mosque one day, and for some reason, he said, whether it was a dream, a vision, he said, if it was a dream, I don't know why I was asleep, but, but something happened, and, and all these people were trying to drag me off to, to do harm to me. And he said, there were these two big black hands that were trying to drag me off. And in the middle of it, the only thing I could hold on to that kept me from being dragged away was a cross. And he said, at that point in time in my life, I had never seen a cross. But he said, that's what it was. I was holding on to this, and that was what was keeping me from being dragged away. And he said, later on, I was talking with a friend who was a believer who, who led me to Christ. And he said, later on, I had another dream where Jesus said to me, like he said to Peter, feed my sheep. So now he's planting churches in this country where it's illegal for him to do that. See, it's, it's not just he's okay. It's not even that he came to know Christ and he's okay. There's, there's more to it than that. There's more to what Christ is calling us to be and to do. I got another letter from one of our, our teammates in Turkey asking us to pray these next three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this next week, for four guys that are 
have committed their lives to Christ, and this week they believe they've got to talk to their parents who are Muslims and tell them that they've received Christ, which means there's the potential that they could be killed, that they are at least going to be rejected by their family, and they're a little nervous about doing it. See, just okay is not okay for these guys. There's got to be more. So as we talk about that, as we talk about Romans, I know people say it all the time. Pastors say it all the time. Well, you're a pastor, you're an elder, you're supposed to say this. You know, it's, it's okay for you to, be, to do more, but, you know, the rest of us, come on. You know, we have real lives. You don't have real life. Um, you know, and so, so we've got to sit and think through, what does this mean? So as we've begun to look these last few weeks in Romans, the first thing we saw in Romans chapters 1 through 3 or 1 through 4 was there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is he starts off with that. Well, first of all, he actually starts with the good news. He says in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, that for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in, the, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Kids, what was your memory verse for this week? Don't everybody answer at once. Need the microphone? Does that help? <laughs> Catherine, I'm sorry. I'm... Abraham? Abraham believed God and it was credited as righteousness. You know, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, Paul's talking to people who are beginning to understand and learn what this means. And so he says, well, let's, let's just, he jumps straight from the righteousness of God is revealed by faith to the wrath of God. Well, that's a big jump, you know. Everybody likes to talk about the righteousness of God. No one wants to talk about the wrath of God, that God's going to punish sin. So he says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And so... He goes through, and in this bad news, he says, there's those people who it's obvious to everyone that they're, they're not in a relationship with God. You know, we, we all know those people. We see them on the news. You know, he says, there are those people who have the truth revealed to them in nature, but in the midst of understanding and knowing that there's something greater, they have chosen to ignore the Creator and worship the creation. And he says, you know, that, that's a bad thing. The wrath of God is revealed. Because of that, their, their lifestyles have become just way out there. There's sin rampant everywhere because they've totally walked away from God. And he said, okay, but now there's a few of you who are going, I'm glad I'm not like them. He said, for those of you who think, wow, I'm glad I'm not like them, you're just as bad. <laughs> he says, if you're just morally good and you're sitting around judging others for their sin and you're doing basically the same things, uh, you're just as bad off. You know, that, everybody always says, well, Jesus kind of said some things that are a little hard to understand. Well, no, he didn't. What Jesus did was he took the Old Testament law and he made it a little bit harder. He said, the Old Testament law is tough. Well, okay. It's tough to say, you shall not murder your brother and sister. 
You say, well, that's not that tough. You ever been in line at Walmart? Here you go. I threw that out for you. I threw that out for you, Tessa. Um, you know, so, you know, that's easy to not actually go out and murder somebody. But Jesus says, if you hate them in your heart, you've murdered them. Anybody you know that you hate? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't point at me. Um, you know, and so... There's this this idea that you know we're sitting around judging all these people who are these wicked the world out there. He says if you're just morally trying to to live up and do this all by the, your own strength and do it, you're just as lost. It's still bad news. The wrath of God is still poured out upon you if you don't receive Christ. And then he got, talks to his Jewish friends and he goes, "Hey, you know you guys are going. Hey, we're all right though, man. We've got the covenant." We, we're in a relationship with God from the Old Testament. He built the, you know, we built the temple. He lives in our midst, all this. He says, no, afraid not. Just because you're a Jew and you have all these things, without this relationship with Christ, you're just as lost. So he, he sums it up this way. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless, and no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And he sums it up. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. Not a single one of us has ever measured up. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what's the good news? Well, we saw in verses 16 and 17, the good news is the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's Christ's righteousness. In chapter 3, of Romans, he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, though the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. So he says here, the good news is, You can't measure up, but Christ measured up for you. Christ is the righteousness of God. Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes in him. And that by dying on the cross, he was both just in punishing sin and the justifier of those who put faith in him. That's really what it comes down to. It's not, I'm deciding to be good, I'm deciding to go to church, I'm deciding to give money, I'm deciding to do all these. No. It's, are you in a relationship with Christ, or are you not? That's really what it comes down to. That without faith in Christ, you're lost in your sins. That's what Paul's saying. And he's not saying it as this judgmental guy up here who has it all together. 
Over and over again, he tells his testimony, man. He was, he was out to kill everybody who was believing in Jesus. And Christ changed him and took over his life. And then we had Michael talk about the great exchange. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, just a, a powerful section of Scripture that talks about we have peace with God. He said, well, I don't have much peace. Well, the issue is not, like Michael said, the issue is not how do I feel. The issue is there is peace with God. You were at war with God. Now you are at peace with God. You have been, that, that warrior mentality, that has been taken away. You're no longer Christ's enemy if you have a relationship with him. Because he says it's not just everybody has peace. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We've also, because of what Christ has done, we now have access to God. The Old Testament, you know, we've all enjoyed the book of Leviticus. How many people love the book of Leviticus? You know, the book of Leviticus is, is bloody. It's nasty. Over and over again, it's, you know, and have you ever been to countries where they still slaughter animals for sacrifice? It's not a pretty thing. It's not like you send them into the slaughterhouse and you don't see what happens till the ground beef comes out. You know, they take those animals on the side of the road with a knife, they cut their throat. And they hold them up till all the blood drips out, then they skin them. Right there on the side of the road. So he said, this is the bloody thing, this is these sacrifices have to come so that you can, once a year, one man can go into the Holy of Holies in God's presence and cover the sin of the whole nation. Once a year. And even with that, he better make sure he's ready before he goes in. Because if he's not, he's going to drop dead. When they went into the Holy of Holies, they had a rope tied around their feet. So if they dropped dead, they could drag them out, because nobody else could go in and get them. That's encouraging, isn't it? You go into your job, we're going to tie this rope around your foot, just in case... You have messed up somewhere in the last few minutes. <laughs> We're going to drag you out. Um, but all of this happened so that they could have a relationship with God. But even then, that relationship was kind of a, a distant thing. There was the cloud over the tabernacle, and you went and you stood and you watched God speak, mostly to Moses or to the high priest, but you didn't have this personal, intimate relationship. But then in the prophets, it says that he's going to write... His words on their heart. He's going to change their hearts. And Paul says, because of our faith in Christ, we now have access to God. You and I can talk to God anytime, anywhere, about anything. That hasn't always been the case. But because of what Christ did, we have that. Because of what Christ did, we have an eternal perspective. Michael said we have clarity instead of confusion. You know, the, the, the issue here is the clarity comes with understanding and knowing that this life isn't all there is. Because if we really think about it, even though we love Christ and, and our lives may be good in the sense of what most people would, would think about, there are days when it stinks, isn't there? There are days when it just seems tough. There are days when it seems like everything you do doesn't work. 
and, and then the bills come, you know, it's just all these things pile in. And, and Paul says, you know what? All of this suffering, all these things that we go through here are nothing compared to the glory that we're going to receive one day. You know, even we think about death as a believer, it's not a, it's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that sounds weird to say, but it's not a big deal. It's like walking across the stage and shaking the hand of the president of your university or the principal of your school and getting your graduation certificate and moving on in life. When you die, you get the graduation and you move on to the next life. It's, it, you now are going from one life to another, so it gives this clarity. We now have God's love poured out on us. What's the most famous verse in Scripture? See it on Tim Tebow's eyes. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us. We're no longer enemies. We have peace with God. We have his love poured out on us. And then last week, we talked about Jesus is better. Now, Brian said that could be a whole series it can be. We'll do the book of Hebrews. Because um, the book of Hebrews, over and over again, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than the old covenant. You know, he is better. But it, you know, as we think about it, why is he better? Because in Adam, Paul says, we all have death and destruction and sin. In Christ, we have life and redemption. It's better. See, the whole point of Romans chapters 1 through 5 is not try to get your life in gear. Try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do better. The whole point is, without Christ, we are in Adam. In Adam... The wrath of God is poured out. In Adam, we live however we feel like living. In Adam, we are constantly being turned over to our sin. In Adam, we are lost. In Christ, the power of the gospel, in Christ, now we have the power to live the way he's called us to live. We now have redemption. We now have God's love. We now have peace with God. All of these things are poured out onto us because we are in Christ Jesus. Not because we're good. Now, you say, wait, I thought we were going to participate today. You are. Because I want us to think about, and, and if what I want us to do today, and I realize this is different than what a lot of people do on Sunday mornings, but we've had a lot of information the last three weeks. If you have a question, if you say, you know what, I need to to figure this out a little bit more, now's the time to ask. You say, well, I don't want to ask because I might be embarrassed. There's probably somebody else thinking the same question. Now, I'm not one to say there's no such thing as a stupid question. I'm not one to say that, I'll be honest with you, because there are stupid questions. But 
But if you really need to know the information, that's not a stupid question. The stupid question is, you know, when you say, we're not going to do A, B, C, and D, and you go, well, what am I supposed to do on A? Well, that's a stupid question. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so any questions? Now, see, I, I set you up now. Nobody's going to ask anything. Because I want us to understand. I don't want us to move forward in Romans till we understand this. Paul wrote this letter so that people could understand. Any questions? How about I ask a question of you? If this is true, if what we've been saying these last three weeks is true, Is something holding you back? Are you satisfied with just being okay? Now that's a question you definitely don't want to answer probably in front of everyone. Because it's not, we don't do this to try to make people feel guilty We're not doing it to try to pad numbers. We're doing it because we love you. Because Christ loves us and gave us this love that says something's got to change. People have got to go from being in Adam to being in Christ. Yes. I don't know if this will help, but when Michael and I were um, working together, because we both had Romans 5, obviously, and so we were working together to talk through and just as the Lord was moving and praying through it, one of the things we kept coming back to, especially on Michael's portion of the Great Exchange, and of course it then rolled into what I did, but why do we not take that? And I think in two phases, one... When Christ is offered and life is offered and, um, and something better through the righteousness of God is offered, why don't, why don't we as people take it? And I think on the, other, on the other side of it, as believers who've at least said, I, I want Christ to save me or I want Christ to redeem me, why then don't we walk in it? And I think that, I don't know if that will help. With, but I think that's one of the things that we struggled with thinking through and even in our own lives. Why do I continually go back to this when God's offering this? Why would I not exchange all of my junk for what Christ offers? So those are two questions. Yes, Jeff. I'm going to kind of answer it for you <laughs> in, a, in a roundabout way. I had a young man this week, he, uh, we were having a really good in-depth conversation. He's full of anger and stuff, and I was asking him questions about, you know, where does all this anger come from, you know? And he threw this out there. He told, he told me, he said, well, I got baptized this past Sunday. He said it was good for a while, but then it kind of faded, you know, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> but he, he made a good point because that's how we are a lot of times. We, we want salvation, which is the forgiveness of sin. But see, that's the only part of it. The next part is our sanctification, 
which is, which is dying to ourself and giving up that will. That's what gets a lot of us stuck right there. We, we, we get that, that salvation, the forgiveness, but then we don't want to move forward because we have to die to ourselves and give up, give God our will. One else. I think of, I don't know how I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, we're, we're satisfied with making mud puddles in the muddy, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but making mud puddles when there's the whole seaside that we could take advantage of. You know, we know what the mud puddle is. We don't know about the seaside, or we don't want to go to the seaside because we're enjoying our mud puddles. Don't you laugh at me. (laughs) I mean, does this... I know it makes sense in the sense that we've heard it all our lives, for those of us who've been in church all our lives. But what is it that keeps us? What is it from, that keeps someone who understands the truth? It's not like it's clouded for them. They understand that Christ died for my sins. I need to surrender my life to him. What causes us to go, no, not interested? Yes. You raising your hand? have to use the mic so everybody can hear it on the website. <laughs> no pressure. Here you go, here you go. Guessing it's sin. Okay, good. That's, you're right, it's, it's our sin. Most of the time what keeps us from doing it is, though we know there's something better, we like what we got. We don't want to quit what we're doing. Anything else? Because as we move forward in Romans, you know, we, we started to call this series Where the Rubber Meets the Road. And that's what we're going to get into this next this next week. You know, if these things are true in our life, if, Christ, if we are in Christ, what should that look like in our lives? Well, as we close out, I want to challenge you to think through something. We're going to have, we have communion over here today. I want to read a quote. It came up. It was something I quoted last year, and it came up this morning and reminded me. Max Lucado said this, Don't go to God with options and expect Him to choose one of your preferences. Go to Him with empty hands, no hidden agendas, no crossed fingers, nothing behind your back. Go to him with a willingness to do whatever he says. If you surrender your will, then he will equip you with everything good for doing his will. Hebrews 13. 
It's a promise. 